Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Why three years after the presidential election is he just starting to investigate? That does it for us tonight. Banfield starts now. Hello, it's uh, Monday, right? I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, here's my guess. You are already on your Thanksgiving break. Like, I just think you're kind of there. Either physically you might be, if you're one of those lucky people who get a lot of days off, or mentally, as Kramer would say, I'm already gone. Um, I'm a little bit there, but for one thing that has kind of got me, it's stuck in my craw. I'm not going to get over it, probably ever. And here's why. Somebody broke into my car. Not like, like yesterday or today, but a while ago. And it was in my driveway. I know that's not a big deal. I, I do a true crime podcast, right? There's murders and all sorts of awful stuff, serial killers. But somebody broke into my car and I was really mad about it. Because they came on my property and they went into my car and they took my stuff. I remember thinking if I were awake, I would have like taken out a BB gun. And I would have like popped him in the butt or something, right? Just to say, not on my watch, you know? Um... But that's all that happened to me, right? If that's somebody who popped open my car and then decided to help himself to my stuff, had decided to help himself to me, or my bag, or my family inside the home as I was walking up to my door, um, it would not have been a BB gun that I would have wanted to pull out. And there's this guy in LA who had a concealed weapon and did have this happen to him. And he brought that mother out and he fired it at the a-holes that leapt over his wall and thought they would just help themselves to whatever. Him, his stuff, maybe his wife and his new baby inside the house. And he unleashed holy hell on them. And I remember thinking, congratulations, let him have it. Because I don't know what those guys were going to do. All I know is that they had weapons drawn. They had weapons drawn. I don't think the people who broke into my car had weapons drawn. I don't think they did. Maybe, I don't know, but it was late at night. Uh, but those guys, they meant business. They had weapons drawn on that guy. And when he did what was his legal right to do, he brought out his licensed concealed weapon, and he said, not on my watch. And now he's lost his license. He's lost that permit uh, to have that concealed weapon. Can I just say that he also has had people break into his stuff before? So this is the third time uh, complete thugs have come to take his things and who knows what else. And now he doesn't have that permit. And I want to know the answers. And I've got some for you tonight. What he's going to have to do to get it back. Why they took it in the first place. All that coming up. Then I was so hoping that this was not going to be the story that I was going to tell you. Back in, um, you know, early fall, uh, 
There was this upstate New York family that went camping with their nine-year-old daughter, and she and her little friends went on a bike ride around the loop. It's just a five-minute loop at the campground. And she wanted to do one more loop, and the other kids didn't. So they went back, and she did the loop, and they found her bike, and she was not on that bike. And the hours started counting down, where is that little girl? Nine years old, where is she? You know how it happens, right? 48 hours, if you cross that Rubicon, things become real dire in terms of finding that little girl again. They caught her at hour 47, 11 minutes from that 48-hour mark, right? They found her stuffed in a cabinet, alive, in a man's camper van behind his mother's trailer in upstate New York. They arrested him. And many, many weeks later, he gets arraigned. And I was thinking, please, Jesus, don't. Please, Jesus, don't let the charges be sexual in nature. Please just, please just let it have been about money because the guy stuck a ransom note allegedly in the family's mailbox. So I'm thinking, okay, just please let that have been about money. She was nine, and the charges came in. And I was really upset when I saw them. So I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit from now. And then there's the Sean Williams thing, you know, 33 days, I'm counting, I know you are too, he's that guy that is suspected to have 52 unconscious women being raped on videotape by him. And then for good measure, he's charged with child porn and child rape too, and he's on the run because he broke away from his prison transport van with two guards in the van and a belly chain and cuffs and leg irons. I don't know how you do that. There's a big story there too. But we're still on the manhunt because he's still wanted by U.S. Marshals. And apparently the FBI says it's top priority now. And he was spotted on Friday. And guess what? He was spotted where his daughter works. Oh, he got a conscience. He probably wanted to see her. Did she want to see him? We have some news about that. Going to tell you all about that in a minute. Okay, let's start here. Your home is your castle. That's what they always tell us. Some states even say your home is such a castle, they have a law called the Castle Doctrine. Meaning, if anybody comes barreling into your house, you can shoot them. Because they likely have no good intentions, right? So I keep thinking that this guy in L.A., his name is Vince Ritchie. Ritchie, Vince Ritchie. He is defending his castle when two thugs come up over the wall and they've got their getaway driver waiting and they've got guns and they're all dressed in black with masks. Yeah, they don't mean any good. They come to rob him or whatever and he's in a $2 million house in L.A. So they know what they're going for. He's holding the beverage. He's about to go in his front door and then no, 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 no. He pulls out his concealed weapon and he says, not on my watch, not on my watch. And then he chases them as they go over the wall, but one doesn't. So he's now thinking, i got to crouch behind my vehicle. That other guy's still on my property. And he's armed. I could get shot at any moment. And then they could go in my front door, where my five-month-old baby and my wife are. So we all watched this and thought, power to him. He won. They didn't. By the way, they were not shot. They were not caught either. But the police did do something. Authorities took away his concealed carry weapons permit. They took it. They took it away. We've got some news on that because I said to you last week, I am going to ask questions about this. I am pissed off. I want to know who in his right mind would decide the only justice that we'd see in this case was going to be that guy was going to get punished and would lose his weapon permit. So we did some asking and I've got some information for you. And I don't know that this is going to make you feel any better. It didn't make me feel any better. 
So this is 7.30 at night, just so you have the facts, okay? He pulls into his driveway. He gets out. He walks up to his front door. He's got a beverage. He's got something else in his hands. He drops it. You can see the beverage on the ground, and he chases after the guys, and they run, and they eventually get away, and no one catches them. They jump into a dark sedan, and uh, they flee. They did not return fire. That's important, okay? Neighbors called 911. Police got there a short time later, and... The interesting part was the L.A. Sheriff's Department who, you know, rescinded the, the weapons permit. This is what they said. This is the statement. Listen carefully because it's, you know, words matter on this one. Quote, we recognize that this incident was extremely traumatic and startling for the Ritchie family. And we hope the individuals responsible for this crime are arrested and held accountable. I agree with them up to here. The Department of Justice, that's in California establishes guidelines for CCW permits, and the sheriff's department must follow the DOJ parameters in accordance with the law. The DOJ has been notified, and there are avenues for Mr. Ritchie to reapply for his permit. Okay, so Mr. Ritchie's got to reapply for his permit? Okay. Why? Why'd you take it in the first place? What were these guidelines by the DOJ that says a guy who's defending his castle... Can't defend his castle. Isn't this what the isn't this what the Second Amendment was meant for? Right? Isn't this why people often want to have a concealed carry permit? My guess is that the thugs don't have a permit at all. Right? I'm just gonna go out on a wild limb here. My guess is they don't have permits. But that guy did it the right way. He did it legally, and he's the only one in this whole little group who's had any punishment so far. Mr. Ricci had his home broken into just in June. He had his car broken into in May. Again, just the car got me like crazy. My own. Here's what the police are looking for. And this is like, okay, wow, yeah, this, I'll find this suspect. Suspect number one, black male, 5'10", black ski mask, black shirt, black pants, armed with unknown type of handgun. <laughs> Good luck. Okay, suspect two, black male, 5'9". Wearing a mask, gray hooded sweatshirt with a blue stripe from shoulder to arm. Again, I think that's my kids. Um, Suspect three, driver, unknown description. I want to bring in two of my favorite legal minds. Mark Garagos is a criminal defense attorney and co-host of the Reasonable Doubt podcast with Adam Carolla. Great listening. Jesse Weber is an attorney. He is an anchor. He is super duper smart. He is uh, on the Law and Crime Network, and he's a legal contributor for News Nation. Okay, you two, let's get after this, as Cuomo would say. Garagos, I'm going to start with you. What the hell is going on in California that a guy like Mr. Ritchie would be the only one of those four people punished in that whole scenario? No, the backstory to this is in L.A. County, there's been a scandal, if you will, for the last couple of years involving the giving of these permits and the pre with the previous couple of sheriffs. So what they're doing here is, I think, kind of overreacting because clearly he should be able to not only keep this, but I don't even think they could have taken it in the first place. There is no basis upon which to revoke it. Uh, there's no basis upon which to prosecute him based on the tape that I've seen. I will give this much to the DA, actually. Um, years ago, this would have been a case that would have been prosecuted. I've defended cases like this where people are standing on their own property, getting attacked, and will uh, fire a gun, and they get prosecuted or arrested. So at least we're making some progress. I I think that politically 
they were trying to do err on the side of caution by taking his gun uh, or his right to carry the gun. But that's outrageous, frankly. Err on the side of caution. What drives me crazy about this is that this guy has been targeted three times since, what did I say, May? I think his first break-in. Yeah, the home was... Uh Home was broken into in June and the car was broken into in May. This is the third time that someone's come after him. And now if there's a fourth, and God, I hope there isn't, he now doesn't have that, that right. So, Jesse, help me figure out the difference between all the different laws that are out there. There's stand your ground, right? There's, mm-hmm. I think, 27 states have that. There's the duty to retreat, and 13 states have that. And there's 10 states with the Castle Doctrine, and California is one of them. Help me navigate if I'm a viewer right now and I want to know, what am I allowed to do to these guys? We'll put it this way. What Mr. Ritchie did under the law in California, he has the legal right to do. He has a right to protect himself and his family on his property, which is textbook example of what he did. Now, I do want to add what I think suspected happened here. I don't think his CCW permit was revoked because of the actions he took against those two armed assailants. What I think happened here is his license was revoked for something that happened subsequent to that. Because if you look at the law in California, your license can be revoked if, for example, you don't cooperate with police, if you don't hand over your firearm, if you didn't have your CCW card on you, if you interfered in the investigation in any way. Now, I know there's been reports out there that he had a confrontation with police, that he might have yelled at police. Even if that was the case, I don't think it should have been revoked. But there are grounds where I think that they might have been able to revoke it on that basis. So not the shooting itself, but his interaction with police afterwards. And again, if that's the case, I still don't think in light of the circumstances, in light of the politics, in the light of the optics of the way this looks, the gun should, the permit should have been removed. But I think that's what happened here. But by the way, you well, know, that's what's a good point. Here, Go ahead, what's I don't even think he needs the CCW. He's on his own property. He can, under the code, under the uh, the penal code, he can defend his own property. You don't have to have a permit for keeping a gun on your own property. That's a misnomer, at least if the, the cops are doing it because of that. He You're right, have a gun but property. he just, you know what, Gergos? He just drove up to his property. He went through his gate. He drove into his driveway, and he's walking to it. So that gun, if it's on his property, would do no good for him in this circumstance. He needed it on his hip because those guys came to him, and he met them at where they came to him, which was his hip. So I hear I hear you. He could still have the gun inside the house. It's the concealed carry that, that he lost. And I'm going to just... Just dovetail on what Jesse said, because Richie actually himself admits to yelling at the officers and criticizing them for sloppy police work because they did not pick up casings near his home as evidence. He was worried about gun casings because he wants to know if at any point, clearly, they got off a shot because the casings would show if they were his or the officers. But Garagos, weigh in on what Jesse just said. I mean, that would be really crappy. If somebody decided to take it out on this guy who's got a baby at home, has been targeted three times, and does this, and then, you know, because he got angry, loses his concealed carry. Well, you know, the uh, it would not be the first time that somebody was punished for contempt of cop. And that sounds like, under Jesse's theory, what happened. Remember that carrying it in his car or transporting it, you can still do that legally, even without the CCW. You can also, depending on what the circumstances are, but 
The, the whole idea that they're going to punish him because they're not collecting the evidence or because he's got contempt of cop is uh, unfortunately a story often told. So, Jesse, weigh in on, on the whole um, issue of applying to get it back. Because uh, yeah. to me, it kind of reeks of, oh, geez, the press is all up my butt on this one, and I need to do something here, again, with the optics, right? What does it mean he can apply to get it back? What does that mean for him if he's had right. it taken away? Is it, is it more difficult to get it back? Is this a matter of just paperwork and waiting? Tell me. Well, I first will say that I think Richie's case is very different than anybody else because it's being amplified in the media like this show right here. And I think that will ultimately help him. The fact that the sheriff's office came forward with a statement talking about how they're working with him to reapply, I'm not surprised by that. Now, having said that, generally speaking, someone who has to reapply as opposed to first getting the license, I would imagine that would be easier. But in California, they have some of the strictest requirements to get a CCW. I believe it's eight to 16 hours of training. There's a whole level of documentation. There's a background check. It's different than you see in other states. Now, I do believe, I, I don't think they're going to make him jump through all the loopholes, given all the different factors here. I imagine he's going to get his CCW back pretty quickly, but it doesn't take away the fact that it was removed in the first place, and we don't have a straight answer for why it was taken after he defended his family in, in light of these circumstances. And his castle, Garagos, ex explain for someone who may not understand the castle doctrine and any nuances state to state, what you are and are not allowed to do under the castle doctrine if some, you know, thugs like this uh, come upon you. So when you have what's called the curtilage, which is the surrounding area from your home, somebody kind of penetrates that barrier and if they are threatening you with a deadly weapon, clearly that uh, all of those elements are met, you do not have to put your weapon down. You do not have to kind of close the door, just call the police, which a lot of times people assume you can defend yourself in your home. They, When you call it the castle doctrine, it comes from the old expression, my home is my castle, I can defend it. And if somebody crosses the curtilage, a.k.a. moat, if you will, around my house, they do that at their own risk. So in some states, I recall many years ago, there were nuances whereby if you were a homeowner and you were shooting at an intruder on your property, and again, that doesn't mean inside the house, it means outside the house, you could shoot in the back someone who is retreating but is still on your property. Does that still exist? Well, the one case I was telling you about that I defended many years ago, she had, the, my client had shot to scare the people off and the bullet ricocheted and then came up and hit the person right between the eyes and killed them. And she was prosecuted for murder. They eventually, it was an involuntary manslaughter at best, but uh, it does, you do not have to retreat if there is a deadly weapon that is being used against you, meaning you don't have to go back in and do anything except defend yourself. Yeah, and, and Jesse, I, I sometimes wonder if those get, you know, changed by legislatures sort of season to season, um, almost with the political wins, you know. Are there still states that just allow you to, Shoot him. Great. Wild, wild west. Shoot him if they're on your property. Or is it, is it a little <laughs> less uh, sort of severe than that? 
So there are states that are a lot more lax with the ability to use lethal force. I will say here, if this was a situation where these two uh, people that came onto his property had knives or they weren't armed and he fired at them, I think it would be a different kind of scenario. But when you are dealing with states like Florida or Texas, it's a little bit different. I I just want to add one thing here. You know, there's been talk about, well, you know, his frustrations with the police, completely understandable. And I was wondering, could he file a lawsuit? You know, think about his perspective. He Mm. keeps having intruders coming onto his property. You know, police and the city, they have an an immunity to being uh, sued for for what they do. Unless he can show that they're blatantly violating the law or completely skirting their, their duties, he doesn't have much recourse here, which is unfortunate. Perhaps it requires a change in the law. Perhaps it requires taking a second look at what is happening in situations like this. But in terms of taking legal action against the police department for seemingly not doing enough to protect him and his family, I don't think he's got much here. I'll tell you what, I saw this and I thought, that's what I wanted to do to the guys who broke into my car. And it was just my car and I wasn't in it at the time. But I had that anger and that violation. So, you know, multiply that by a billion. And that's what this guy was going through. Again, five-month-old baby inside that house with his wife and the nanny. Hey, Mark Garagos and Jesse Weber, thank you so much for sort of getting me off the ledge, but also setting me straight. Appreciate it, guys. (laughs) Good seeing you. Thank you. Back at you both. Appreciate it. Coming up next, the man believed to have raped 52 unconscious women on videotape lives to see another day on the run. TikTok, though. This is day 33 now. Sean Williams has been a fugitive from justice for every minute of that. However, he was spotted on Friday at a shopping center where his daughter works. And now the feds say catching him is a top priority. Can the daughter help? Will she, the woman who fell five stories from his Tennessee apartment and sparked the entire investigation, joins me next live with news. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I have never been to the Jackson Shopping Plaza in Sylvan, North Carolina. I have never been. I don't know if you have been. I don't know anything about it. I know they sell glasses and candy somewhere in that shopping plaza. I'm sure they sell a lot more. Um, But I know about the glasses and the candy because somebody was there on Friday buying glasses and candy who should not have been. It's a fugitive from justice. 33 days on the run. Looks a lot like those three guys, except that's all the same guy. Sean Williams believed to have raped at least 52 women unconscious on camera because they got a thumb drive out of his car and discovered that. Also charged with raping children and having child porn. And somehow that guy was able to get out of the cuffs and pop out the back window of the transit van on the way to the courthouse. I mean, they had him in their grasp. Look at these looks. This is short hair, Sean. Short hair, Sean. It uh, looks like he could be the UPS guy, you know, or even your lawyer, really. 
But he's not short hair Sean, according to the FBI and the marshals who are hunting for him. Top priority, they now say. Now they say he's long-haired Sean. So I collected a bunch of photos together of long-haired Sean. I was showing you all the Seans, because he is a chameleon. Uh, but this is long-haired Sean, or long-ish, or long-er, like long-er. We have no idea how long at this point. Would be nice, though. They gave us a, an updated picture and maybe a news you know, conference here and there. But nope. Friday, when he was spotted at the Jackson Plaza Shopping Center in Silva, North Carolina. They didn't catch him. They didn't. But he was spotted and he was there and he was buying glasses and candy. And the reason we think he might have been there might not have just been happenstance or, oh, this is close, or I'll just, I need some supplies and I better get them and go. We think it's because his daughter works there. We know his daughter works there. We just don't know if that's why he chose that shopping center. Uh, But I will say this, the police got real nervous about it, and they started hunting, and then they released this to all the people who live around the Jackson Plaza Shopping Center in Silva, North Carolina. Remain vigilant, be aware of your surroundings, and secure your outbuildings, because that guy's got to sleep somewhere. And outbuildings are perfect, especially when they're easy to break into. They're telling anybody in this area that he knows this area. He's familiar. So you got to watch your back or watch your six, as they say. He could look like any of these guys. I mean, look at the different looks. He is just, it is incredible how he can change his look. But they do say at this point, they think he's got long hair. Do consider him dangerous, they say. There is one person who has some insight into this Sean Williams. Her name is Michaela Evans. She miraculously survived a fall from his fifth floor window of his apartment. That was in Johnson City, Tennessee, and it was the fall that led to a special prosecutor investigating the rape allegations. And Michaela is live with me again tonight. Michaela, thank you so much for being here tonight. I I really appreciate it. I, I was so interested to hear that you have a connection to Sean Williams' daughter. And you've been able to make contact with her. Tell me about it. Um, she doesn't talk to me as much as she did, I guess, since he has escaped. Um, but she does message me every now and again, and I worry about that girl. I really do. Not just from him, but for, I guess, her own protection. Did she say to you that she thinks he may have chosen that shopping mall because she works there? It couldn't possibly have been coincidence, but does she believe he was there because he might have wanted to contact her? I don't, I'm not really sure if she does. I didn't really ask her that, but I feel like that's why he went there was to try and see her. And did she say there was any contact at all, even if it wasn't verbal? Like, did they lock eyes? Did she see him? Like, what was the nature of her experience on Friday? Um, I'm not really sure if she was working, but I would assume if she was, they did away with her somewhere because I guess the boss um, is the one that talked to the police and things like that. But I guess the owner or the manager of that store. So he didn't maybe necessarily make contact with her, um, especially at the workplace at the Jackson Plaza Shopping Center. 
No, and like I said, I would assume he was trying to, but it, like I said, I don't even know if she was working that day, so he may have not been able to. How is she, how is she doing in, in all of this? I can only imagine how she is doing. Um, she don't really express things. Um, like I stated, she's, I'm, I'm sure, scared, but I can only imagine how the girl feels, especially learning this stuff about your father or your kids learning this about their grandpa. Did, did she mention that she's been a target of other people's wrath just because she is, you know, related to this monster? Um, I have seen a, a few things that were posted or comments on different stuff, but yeah, she, um, I guess, has been threatened to um, have the same crimes happen to her, her children, that he's done. Um, I believe that she's getting nails and stuff in her tires. I mean, we don't know who that's from, like if it may be from him or if maybe just other people that know that that's his daughter is doing it um, because there are people that have looked up stuff that's easy to find <clears throat> on her Facebook or other things. I mean, that, that would be absolutely tragic if she's being targeted um, and if crimes are being committed against her because of what her father is and has been and continues to do, and that is uh, be a fugitive from justice. And justice is going to be extremely severe when they catch him. And I'll just say when they catch him. Michaela, I hope you're doing okay. I really appreciate you joining us, and I'm always thinking about Thank your you recovery. So it's it's such a miracle that you're that you're with us after that fall and breaking almost every bone in your body. But I am glad to see that you're that you're recovering. And um, again, I appreciate you being on tonight. Thank you so much for having me. So Michaela Evans uh, is obviously going to be quite interested in seeing this person caught. And to that end, I just want to give you some information. The U.S. Marshals are offering a $7,500 reward for anybody who has information. I'll give you the number. It is 877-926-8332. Just take a photo of your screen. Keep it handy. Keep it real handy because if you run across this guy, they need all the eyeballs they can get to catch him. You can also go to usmarshals.gov slash tips. Okay, we're going to keep our eyes on that story and on that fugitive. In the meantime, coming up next, it was everything we had hoped it would not be. A little girl snatched off her bike near her family's campsite in upstate New York, a ransom note stuffed into their mailbox back at home. The little girl, nine years old, was rescued from a cabinet inside the camper van of an upstate New York man. He was there too, and he was arrested. We prayed, we prayed that this was all about the money and nothing more sinister than that. And then came the charges. Yeah, then came the charges. After the break, what happened to that nine-year-old girl and what will happen to the man they are holding in jail? His name is Craig Ross Jr. 
Uh, he is famous for being something that he'd probably rather not be. This picture tells you something. The rest of it is that he's an accused child rapist. Nothing to be proud of. He was arrested uh, in late September for kidnapping a nine-year-old girl in upstate New York. Do you remember that the little girl was snatched while she was riding her bike around the, the campground, the little loop? Her friends decided to go back early, and she decided to do one more loop, and that was the fateful loop. She didn't come back, and they found her bike. They didn't find her. And then the Amber, Amber Alert, searching, searching, panic, fear, terror. Imagine the parents. And everybody knew, 48 hours, if you go over that mark, you're in trouble. This was on September 30th, and just 11 minutes shy of the 48-hour mark, they found her. Uh, she was stuffed in a cabinet in the bedroom of a camper van belonging to that Craig Ross Jr. guy. He was in there, too. And they just arraigned him on Friday. They say he left his fingerprints on the ransom note that was stuffed into the family's mailbox back at home. When she was found, she was wearing different clothes than when she was taken. And that made us all really upset and nervous about something. Uh, we had hoped that she was just kidnapped for the money, just for the money. Please, God, just let it have been for the money, nothing else. Bad enough that you put a nine-year-old through all of this, allegedly. But please, Jesus, just let it have been for the money. And then, sadly, Friday's indictment told us otherwise. On top of the kidnapping charges, uh, Mr. Ross now faces four counts of predatory sexual assault against a child, as well as sex abuse, assault, endangering the welfare of a child. Here's the DA. We will do it well, we will do it thoroughly, and completely because of the work that has been done and continues to be done by law enforcement to hold this defendant who's committed a heinous, terrible offense against a tender-aged victim. We will hold him accountable and responsible. Neighbors have described him as a recluse. He's broke, moved into the camper behind mom's trailer a month before the kidnapping after failing to make payments on his own home. He's pleaded not guilty. All of that. Matt Murphy is with me now. He's a criminal defense attorney. He's a former prosecutor. He's also a former sex crimes prosecutor. Matt, four counts of predatory sexual assault. Does that mean four different times this nine-year-old girl was raped? Well, unfortunately, it means at least four times. Um, oftentimes, when you interview children like this and under these circumstances, you know, their memories are a little bit muddled, especially after something as traumatic as this. Uh, the good news is, is that under New York law, with these charges, if he's convicted of this, he will hopefully never see the light of day again. Sexual predators like this actually don't get better. Um, and a man that age, uh, you know, I, I would, I can't imagine this was his first rodeo. Um, I would love to see his criminal, criminal rap sheet and his criminal background. But when they got into his computers and cell phone, I guarantee it was overflowing with kitty porn. So, um, but look, this is one that uh, we have to remember. Law enforcement appears to have done a wonderful job. They, they saved her. Um, my, you know, the, the dark question is what would he have done with her had the family not uh, paid the ransom? And I had a case, uh, you might have remembered Samantha Runyon with Alejandro Avila back in yes. the day. She was a six-year-old little girl who was kidnapped, and he'd been previously accused. And um, he raped her, and when he was done with her, he murdered her. Um, 
So this, this one, as, as tragic as it is, has a, a happy ending. She's still alive and she can live her life. Um, All of this, this is alleged, right? He's right. still, he's still uh, innocent until proven guilty. But I do want to ask you, I saw that the charges um, are said to have taken place in the towns of Moreau and Milton, New York. Does that mean that these assaults would have happened in different towns, that like he would have allegedly done this as he was making his way back to the trailer? Because it was uh, only 47 hours and 49 minutes. Right. So that's exactly what that means. And with, with somebody like this, with this type of sexual predator, and this is the vast majority of sexual assaults are interfamilial. Um, this is a, guys like this, I, California doesn't have a predatory sexual assault like, like New York does. It's the perfect name for it. These guys are the boogeymen. And they, like I said, they don't get better. And they're out there. And, um, yeah, he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait. So, um, you know, those, oh. those charges in different counties, that's exactly what that means. 47 hours. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about this Quick is... Quick question? This, yeah. I, I, got, I got 20 seconds, but I've got to ask you, if he's convicted, how is he going to be treated in prison? Well, he'll be what's known as a total SEP, which means he'll be totally separated. But if, he's, if he runs up with um, General Pop, they will get to him. And I mean, that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets beat up. But they, they do a pretty good job here in the state of New York of actually protecting prisoners like this, fortunately or unfortunately. But we have to remember, like you said, he's presumed innocent. We'll see what the evidence shows. We'll see what the evidence shows so far. It's very, very disconcerting and very sad. Uh, Matt Murphy, as always, thank you. Great to see you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, coming up, three and a half months after Rachel Morin was murdered and left in a drainage tunnel on a hiking trail in Maryland, her brother has gone back to that tunnel for a heartbreaking interview. Rachel's family refuses to stop looking for this killer and is now taking a very clever new tack to generate tips and maybe, just maybe, find justice. Find out what they're doing and see this Unbelievable interview in the tunnel. Next. Hundred days is a long time. It is a very, very long time. You might not think it's a long time, but it's a long time. It's like over three and a half months. And that is the length of time that Rachel Morin's family has been waiting for answers as to who it was that decided to just go after her on the Ma and Pa Trail in Maryland, where she went out for an evening run, jog, hike, 6 o'clock at night, found murdered and bludgeoned and left in a drainage culvert on that trail the next day. 100 days it's been, more than 100 days. The suspect, they know. He's out there. They connected his DNA at Rachel's murder scene to a home invasion in L.A. of a young girl, an assault. And then they saw him leaving this incredible video. But you don't get to see his face. You just get to see his back, his gait, his walk, his shape, all that. They're hoping someone's going to see that video and say something. And I'll tell you what, the family is taking another tack here in order to try to get tips. They have now gone around all the high schools around this attack in L.A., and they've posted flyers all in the high schools around where this attack happened, thinking, very clever, that maybe a former teacher, a staff, or a former student might recognize this guy. That's brilliant. So that's what they're, they're just blanketing the high schools everywhere to try to get a tip, find out who he is. 
track him down, get him off the road. So Rachel's brother, Michael, recently visited the, the tunnel where his sister Rachel was found. And he made a very emotional um, plea, and he talked a lot about her final resting place. He talked about what it, what it would have been like in the final moments, the fear. Um, I want you to just see this interview. It's, it's heart-rendering. Uh, this is this final resting place of Rachel um, in this tunnel. Uh, you know, kind of looks like a sewer. Um, you know, I think about her laying here and, you know, I wonder if she was, you know, half awake looking at the light and just saying, I just got to make it to that light. She thinking about her kids. She thinking about me. Did she feel hopeless here? Think about warm, you know, feeling warm under her head and then making the connection that's blood. It's dark. She feel alone. It's not, think about like what she looked like, you know, beaten or whatever. It's like, it's still pretty. I don't care how dirty, how scary, you know, how she felt. I wish I could feel it for her and I won't look away. That's kind of why I'm spending so much time in these tunnels, this tunnel specifically. Her brother, Michael, if you have any information about what happened to Rachel, please call the Harford County Sheriff's Department in Maryland at 410-836-7788. Still to come tonight, some people sue other people for a living. And as it turns out, some people sue others from the dead. And if you don't believe me, I'd like to introduce you to Joe Villanova. But I can't because Joe Villanova has been dead for five years now. So why is Joe the lead plaintiff in a big class action lawsuit? Better yet, better question, how do his lawyers explain this? Coming up, a burial plot unearthed. What's next? Okay, let's roll, dudes! And I'm going 10, 30, 65 in a 45 zone. Yo, why's my gas tank on E? Up and hello, officer. Wait, what? I'm losing my license. I'll lose my job. And here come the court costs. Oh, man, that's the thing about pedal to the metal, dude. You speed, you lose. Slow down. Driving is no game. A message from Virginia DMV. News Nation has the next GOP presidential primary debate. This is Elizabeth Vargas. I'll be moderating this debate along with Sirius XM's Megyn Kelly. Join us Wednesday, December 6th, right here on News Nation. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects, but there's an easier way. Thumbtack is the app that makes it easier to care for your home. 
Pull out your phone, and in just a few taps, search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Download Thumbtack and start caring for your home the easier way. Have you heard? The Xfinity Mobile Black Friday sale is on now. Through December 5th, new customers can get a free line of unlimited intro mobile for two years with Xfinity Fast Internet. That's over $1,000 in savings. Plus, see how to get up to $800 off an eligible 5G phone. Visit Xfinity.com slash Black Friday sale today. Restrictions apply. Actual internet speeds vary. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced mobile speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage. Data thresholds may vary. Through Travis Mannion Foundation's Operation Legacy Service Projects, veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians across the country come together under the common cause to serve in honor of our nation's heroes. Service projects include city beautifications, planting memorial trees, volunteering at shelters, park cleanups, and more. Ask yourself, if not me, then who? And register for a project near you or as a virtual volunteer by visiting oplegacy.org. Every child deserves the best teachers, facilities, and academic programs to set them up for success. At Milton Hershey School in Hershey, Pennsylvania, we make that a reality for children from qualifying families who are looking for greater opportunities. Milton Hershey School enrolls students from pre-K through 12th grade from across the United States to live and learn on a beautiful state-of-the-art campus with all costs covered. Are you looking to set your child up for success or know a child who could benefit from Milton Hershey School? Learn more at mhskids.org slash admissions. Get fact-based, unbiased news coverage 24-7 on the NewsNation app or on Alexa. Just say, play NewsNation. Only one in five people with autism are employed, despite many having the skill set and desire to work. Maybe it's because employers don't know what kind of jobs they can do. Like, what about a programmer? That's a job for someone with autism. Uh, How about a healthcare worker? Yep. That is too. People with autism can do a lot of different jobs, but often get overlooked due to outdated stigmas. Introducing WIN by Autism Speaks. We help businesses lead the way in inclusive hiring. What about a ranch hand? To learn more, go to autismspeaks.org slash WIN. My 13-year-old acts like a puppy again. Almost overnight, she's a different dog. Perfect poops. When people switch their dog's food to the farmer's dog, the effects can seem like magic. But there's no magic involved. It's simply real meat and vegetables with all the nutrients dogs need instead of highly processed pellets. No tricks, just smarter, healthier pet food delivered in packs portioned for your dog. It's amazing what real food can do. Get 50% off your first order at thefarmersdog.com slash nomagic50. My mom has decided to learn to paint and she's good. My dad's now into creative cuisine and I've already put on six pounds. Learning new things comes with age. My mom? She started forgetting my name and what we're talking about. Forgetting well-known things doesn't. Memory loss may be a sign of Alzheimer's disease. Early detection gives you and your loved one time to plan for the future. Learn the warning signs of Alzheimer's at 10signs.org. Brought to you by the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. If you ever find yourself on the wrong end of a lawsuit, do yourself a favor and make sure the person suing you is breathing. Hear me out. A California lawyer recently decided to do his client a solid and Google the name of the lead plaintiff in a class action lawsuit against him. And an obituary popped up. Turns out that the plaintiff, Joe Villanueva, had died six months after the suit was filed, five years prior. For five years, that man's attorneys kept right on litigating the case and collecting the fees without telling anybody that their client was actually a dead man. 
They made settlement demands, they rejected settlement offers, they filed amended complaints, and they swore in court that their deceased client had actually reviewed documents that had been handed over by the defendant. He didn't. (laughs) The lawyers claimed they had no idea. But according to Bloomberg, the firm in question represented dead people in at least three cases um, since August of last year. The court is actually set to hear arguments in the case in February, but I can tell you one thing, a hundred... Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.